This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Built by Bama online podcast. It is T. Watts and T.R., it is the Wednesday after the 2019 Iron Bowl, Auburn 48, Alabama 45. We'll get Tim's thoughts on that and a whole lot more as we get going. First of all, Tim, I hope your Thanksgiving that we sort of previewed. We previewed Thanksgiving, I got to think, as much or more than any other podcast out there. I hope it was a joyous and memorable Thanksgiving holiday around Casa de Watts. Yeah, it was. It was simple. It was easy. The food was good. I usually don't eat leftovers that night. Um, we usually do something like taco or Mexican just because we, you know, we fill up, up so. But I went, I double dipped and went in it that night watching uh, the Saints play. It was a good uh, NFL slate. The weather was good, you know, in Alabaster. So uh, it was, it was really good. No, no complaints with Thanksgiving. How was yours? So, so what's the what's the shelf life though for for the leftovers for you guys? I mean. I'm pretty How sure, long does that go? Pretty sure the ham is still in there, waiting to be stuck between <laughs> a Hawaiian roll when these kids say they need a snack. So um, the dressing doesn't last over a day. It's it's yeah. it, most of it most of it's eaten before then. Now the the leftovers were pecan pie the next day, a lot of ham, a lot of turkey. My wife did a great job with the turkey, so uh, that was left over the next day. And she'll like she got one of those panini <laughs> panini makers where nice. You take two pieces of bread and you can put you can put your uh, a sandal in there and cook it and it's going to come out tasting pretty good. So uh, she was whipping up some stuff, just made some sandwiches. So uh, a lot of the good stuff, like I'm a I'm a stuffing guy, as we discussed, and a niblet gravy. I'm just sort of a giblet gravy. I mean, I keep saying niblet. Josh like, niblet. Josh that's niblet how much, gravy. That's how much of a Hoover coach I am. I'm calling it niblet <laughs> niblet gravy. So I'm a recruiting guy, but they, uh, yeah, I love that. I'll fill up on that. I was hurting the next morning, but I was happy to be hurting. Yeah. You know, we didn't host Thanksgiving this year, so we were, we were guests, uh, but man, we had, we enjoyed a couple of really outstanding spreads and, you know, the, the thing about being kind of a guest at one of these things, there's an etiquette, right? I mean, when it comes to the go plate, you know, you want to make that to go plate. But, uh, you know, you don't want to be that guy or that gal that sort of overdoes it. Um, you got to be careful with the desserts, too, because that pumpkin pie is very popular. That pecan pie that you talked about is very popular. You know, I was at one Thanksgiving spread last Thursday. Somebody took a whole damn pumpkin pie home. Wow. You know, I mean, that's wow. that's kind of over the top. Is that is that a Thanksgiving foul, in your opinion, Tim, to I take the whole damn pie home? Unless you're married to that guy's daughter, no, that's definitely a foul, right? Unless, <laughs> unless no, you... I'm not taking a slice. I'm taking the pie, and that's I can what... tell you, the person that's... whose house was hosting it, he wasn't happy about that whole pie. Well, then that's definitely. Yeah. I would, I, me personally, I would just be uncomfortable if I'm stealing something. I'm stealing something expensive. I'm taking the <laughs> a present under a tree or a you know a 
a gift. I might steal a daggone pumpkin pie and get that for six dollars. So yeah. plus that's not my favorite pie. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of pies higher for me that I would probably risk uh, friendship for. So no, that's definitely bad etiquette. What, what's the top pie for you? I mean, what goes at the top of the the top of the list? You no, know, it's crazy. I guess it's just life. Is that like when I, I was a smoker 20 years ago? And Haiti carrot cake. And then when I quit, I tried it, and it's and somehow it's my favorite cake in the world. Carrot cake, huh? Uh, All right. Carrot cake, yeah. It's just yeah. it's it's right there. I don't know why. Good carrot cake. It just I never even thought it didn't make sense. Neither is pumpkin pie. Yeah, where, one of the one of the where, go ahead. One of the biggest uh, biggest binds, I guess you could say, I found myself in as a kid is uh, I protested the. Uh, the appearance of a carrot cake for a birthday cake for me when I was a kid. I, I wasn't happy about that. So that got me in a good bit of trouble. Uh, probably around nine or 10 years old. Mom thought, you know, look, we'll get him a carrot cake for his birthday cake. And I didn't, uh, I didn't appreciate that. I wanted the Carvel, you know, I wanted that ice cream cake. So the carrot cake wasn't, uh, wasn't met with open arms. And I, and I, I kind of got in some trouble for the attitude that, that well, I, would, I don't blame you. I mean, that's, that's apparent, uh, uh, etiquette situation there you yeah. don't get, you don't get a holiday cake you know, right you don't, that's the cake you wanted okay that, that's not the know, cake i wanted for my birthday party <laughs> you know that, what i mean or, or they just straight up forgot and they're like oh crap what do you have here yeah. and they're like take that carrot cake yeah 16 so candles type situation yeah that's we'll absolutely we'll have to dive into that movie at some point oh that's a great i've been i watched Jake it not Ryan. Too long. well my daughter's 12 so we've watched it back-to-back years and they that's what i was saying you know john hughes is such a great director that these kids now with a billion different things than we had still love the guy uncle buck all those movies they john hughes mm-hmm. still kills everybody so that's how great of a how to, how how great he understood now don't get me wrong those guys i mean molly ringwall was 32 with two kids and that dude jake was 41 sitting on that porch <laughs> and the only guy even close to a teenager was anthony michael hall who was 11 what so, about Long Duck Dong? How old was oh, he? Do you dude, think? Seventy-three, maybe in, in sixteen yeah. candles. He passed away before they filmed part two <laughs> the next year. So Long Duck was out there. Don't forget the Cusacks. Yeah, that movie. Those John, those, yeah, his and his sister with the neck yeah, brace. Don't forget was, the sister. No, her, her trying to get water sitting on that bus, man. Uh, that's just that's just some good that's just some good stuff. Yeah, yeah. we can get off track pretty quickly here if we get into John Hughes movies. My, by the way, we're going to do best Christmas movies of all time coming up later in the pod. So maybe John Hughes, the late, great John Hughes, uh, comes up in that topic as well. But, yeah, it was a good Thanksgiving uh, all the way around, I think, for both of us. Uh, then you move into Saturday. You get into the 84th plane of the Iron Bowl down at Jordan-Hare Stadium, Tim. Uh, I've talked about it, written about it a lot there at BamaOnline.com. I know you've given your thoughts uh, to an extent, but uh, I got to ask you, uh, we, we've both seen a lot of these games. And just when we think we've seen it all, when it comes to Alabama, Auburn, we get what we got on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, Auburn's a tough place to play. I think everybody knows, you know, going that, going in there and that's a good defense. And I mean, there was so, I mean, if you were a neutral observer, if you weren't an Alabama and Auburn fan, that was probably the best game in the world to watch. It really is like watching the Oklahoma, Oklahoma State Big 12 game. It was a lot of plays. You had great defensive plays. You had offensive plays. You had special team plays. You had crazy calls. You had crazy penalties. You had everything. For an Alabama and Auburn fan, it was probably quite miserable um, and tough to watch. I mean, to me, it was a game Alabama had every – it's hard to be upset. Alabama had every opportunity plus five 
to win that football game. Auburn made plays. I give them credit. I know the referees were a, a little, you know, a little, you know, some some questionable calls, but that's every game every year. I mean, I've watched I've watched high school football, NFL football, college football. That is every single game. Um, just some weird plays. I mean, it sort of summed up Alabama's season to me, where it's been. You know, it's not jinxed or cursed because they went, you know, 10 and 2 and had one of the best offenses in the history of football. But it was it was just like something was amiss the whole year when you start off with injuries. And, you know, Alabama lost so many people. I don't think, you know, and that's the thing that kills me this week. Not a single person is mentioning Alabama lost that game without Tua. Oh, yeah. It's just like I think the national media is just bought into next man up with Bama. You know, you lose two or you just stick somebody else in there. It's not that easy. Same for Dylan Moses and, you know, LeBron Ray and, you know, even Will Reichert. I mean, how many times do you see a punter injured? Yeah. You know, it's just been it's just been the oddest thing. I mean, that's a that's an iron bowl um, for the ages, especially, you know, if you're an Auburn fan. But I mean, I think it was a great game. And I think Mac Jones did a lot of nice things. And, and um, you know, on the positive side, that is a great Auburn defense. That's a really good Auburn defense. Kevin Steele is a great coach. And Alabama put up a lot of yards and a lot of points uh, and left points on the field. And then, you know, you look at the defense and again, you know, they, they just struggled to get them off the field. And the offense didn't help them out giving up 14 points either. No, the two pick six is obviously big. And Najee Harris, we've talked about him in the last couple of three of these, uh, just reaffirming what you and and others thought of that guy coming out of Northern California as a five-star running back recruit three years ago. Yeah, Najee, you know, he showed up, you know, I thought Najee, especially in the LSU game, just sort of took over the emotional leader on that team. I think Tua was sort of that chill leader for Alabama where he got you to relax and play loose. You didn't get too tight. Well, the intensity came from me. It came from Najee. Um, Najee just carrying folks and working hard and working hard for every yard. I think he's shown a, you know, a, you know, a, a you know, a heroic effort at times this year in the second half of the season, especially when Tua went down. He's really stepped up and, and and played some some huge roles. And he, you know, he is what we thought. You know, and it takes a minute. You know, with Derrick Henry, you know, you look at these guys and they're sort of anomalies. You know, it's almost like you see a six foot eight point guard back in the day when you see Magic Johnson. Or you see those guys, and you're like, there's no such thing as a 6'9 point guard. Well, these guys, you know, when you see the 6'3 running back who looks like a defensive end, who looks like an outside linebacker, who could definitely play there, you take a minute to adjust to it. I mean, you remember this. Derrick Henry, we were arguing with the world mm-hmm. that Derrick Henry was not going to be a defensive player. We had everybody and their mom saying this guy was going defense. Burton Burns is saying this guy's a running back, and he's a good one. Well, then flash forty he is a great college running back. He gets to the NFL, and his first year, people start saying, I don't think he's equipped. His running style is not equipped for the NFL. Well, guess what? It is. He's big. He's fast. He's smart. He's got cuts, and he's strong. And Najee's very similar to him. Very, very smart guy off the field. Big guy, strong, got a good work ethic. So really impressed by what he did this season. Yeah, and just so athletic. We saw it again on Saturday, hurdling people. Uh, just going over the top of people at the goal line. And you know what? The offensive line uh, had obviously had penalty problems, especially down the stretch with the false starts in that game. Uh, but I give those guys up front some credit, too. All the talk going into the game was about Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson, and understandably so. Those two guys are two of the very best players at their positions, very best defensive players in general. 
in college football, but I didn't think Landon Dickerson or Deontay Brown or Evan Neal or any of those guys up front showed any back down. I thought uh, at times they were physically dominant, as a matter of fact, and as good as Najee was, as productive as he was, especially in that first half, I thought the Alabama offensive line made a statement in the first couple of three game, uh, quarters of that game, and I think that's a reason why, and we're going to get into this moving forward now with kind of the state of the program. When you look ahead, Tim, to 2020 and beyond, you talk about a defensive line that took its lumps this year because of injuries and because of so many fresh faces playing so many snaps and a defensive line that Saturday did not have one of those guys in DJ Dale. The offensive line, for some reasons we just outlined, uh, we'll see about Alex Leatherwood and Jedrick Wills and what they decide to do with the NFL as early as 2020. But I think the lines of scrimmage, there's going to be some reward reaped coming up here in the next 12 months uh, based on you know what some of those guys were asked to do so early on in their Alabama careers. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the little bit with the defensive line, when you couple a couple, you know, you lost some guys early to the draft. Obviously, Quinnen, you know, went early and uh, uh, and rightly so he went, you know, early in the draft. But they also had that class in 2018, I think it was, where they missed on a lot of defensive line. It was a bad defensive line year. They missed on a couple of defensive line that probably could have helped, like Bobby Brown, who's at Texas A&M. Yeah. His recruitment was a mess because he's committed to BAM. He's committed to Texas A&M. He's committed to BAM. He flips on the last day. So the staff did everything they could there. But I think those, I think when you look at the defense and you just isolate the defense, if you take the injuries to Dylan, you take the injuries to Josh, Mac Wilson going pro early when some didn't expect him to, there's three linebackers off the board right away. When you look at misses like Henry Toa Toa and Nicobe Dean, they played large. And then you got two guys. I'm, I'm one of the ones. I'm not that down on Shane Lee or Christian Harris. They were supposed to come in in a red shirt. Shane Lee at best was going to be a likely situational guy, a run stopper, run a, a gapper. These guys come in. Christian Harris was a defensive back last year in high yeah. school. So these guys came in, did their best, worked really hard. I think there's a little bit of future there for both of them. And all of a sudden, you're not only playing as a rookie, you got everybody Every offensive game plan is is to exploit you. Tough, tough situation. Then you look at the defensive line and the injuries, and you know nobody even really talks about LeBron Bray, which turned out to be a big one. And um, you know, just 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 a lot happened on that defense that that was unfortunate. Yeah, you know, LeBron Ray may not have been a prolific guy this season in terms of tackles for loss and sacks. Who knows? Maybe he would have been, but he could have been sort of that Isaiah Bugs uh, compliment that, yeah, that Bugs was to Quentin Williams. And and Isaiah Bugs was, you know, we don't talk about Isaiah Bugs from 2018. That's a guy who had 13 and a half tackles for loss to go along with what Quentin gave you. So the drop-off from that duo to this year for a variety of reasons, it, it it's right there in front of you on paper. Yeah, I think I think from a talent standpoint, this is definitely on defense. It's Alabama's least talented defense um, that we've really seen under Nick Saban uh, since he's really put everything together. I think it just sort of happened between the, the a couple of misses on the recruiting trail, the early entries. It was bound to catch up with Alabama somehow, some way, um, with so many guys going early, so many three and done guys, and um, you know, then you add the injuries. You know, I mean, you're looking you're looking at a huge difference with just Dylan Moses on the field. 
that alone's a huge difference. Add, you know, Josh would have been a, you know, an experienced player out there, LeBron race. I think this was just like the perfect storm on defense. It was almost the complete 180 from the offense was was the perfect storm for just the, you know, we're I don't know if you can appreciate what this offense has done yet, including myself. I think 10 years from now, 5 years from now when we look up and every one of these guys on this offense are playing in the National Football League. I think it's going to hit us how fortunate we were to see that offense. That's going to be one of the – I mean, it really is one of the most dominant offenses I've ever seen at any level. Um, just well, that's great- that's kind of the thought you had walking away from that game Saturday is – Oh, it's know, as, good, as good as Mac Jones was, um, and, and with the performances of Najee Harris and Jalen Waddell, you know, you're still left to wonder – what if with Tua in a game yeah. like that? Does Tua does Tua throw for 600 yards on Saturday? 500 plus? I think. Uh, does Alabama score 50 plus? Maybe 60 if a healthy Tua is in that game with those receivers? You know, I think there's just like an inexperience factor. And I mean, look, Jordan Hare has eaten up a lot more experienced quarterbacks than Mac Jones starts. Absolutely. For his first road game at Auburn, that's just that is. I mean, you might, you know, that there's a couple places LSU. I wouldn't want to be there. I wouldn't want to be at Auburn if I'm a first-time quarterback. Um, uh, that throw that was picked off and you know returned 100 yards. That's a play Tua probably doesn't make. I mean, Jones got it out of there, and, even and it's then, still a fluke play. It, yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. I mean, if he'd have thrown it ahead of him or at his feet, that doesn't happen. He happened yeah. to throw it, hit him right in the right. back, the dart. And about hey, and the Auburn linebacker made a great play, great ball skills to even get that. He wasn't expecting right. it. He's just out there in coverage and it's sitting in his pocket. So uh, I think that's the little differences. I have no problem with what Mac Jones did. I think he played a good game. He made good passes. Obviously, the skill players around him did a fantastic job. That's a great that set. But I mean, considering the circumstances, I thought he did a really good job. I did not expect that game to be so high scoring, not by any means. It's T. Watts and TR on the Built by Bama online podcast. We would love for you to subscribe to the Built by Bama online podcast if you haven't done it already. If you have, we certainly appreciate it. Also, leave us a review while you're there on iTunes, uh, if possible. You talk about the offensive side of the ball. We've heard from Tua Tagovailoa here in the last 24 hours in relation to his future and perhaps that he isn't done at Alabama. Uh, and based on Tua's comments, Tim, uh, a very business-like approach, I would say. He's very aware of the risk and reward potentially of coming out following his latest injury, uh, that hip situation that he incurred there at Mississippi State. Um, based on what you heard from Tua on Tuesday, what, where would you put the likelihood of him returning for another season? Uh, you know, where, where would you Where would you sort of write that you know just knowing that family like i do i think that i'm not surprised by anything he said i think they're very logical um you know there's a benefit to sort of being that guy that Tua is where that no matter what happens you think it's the right thing to happen i wish i had it (laughs) you know what i mean that's a you know that's yeah yeah just to follow the flow of your life you know instead of worrying i'm a worrier i'm you know my christmas shopping's done for instance you know, I'm worried the malls will shut shut early or something. So I got some you can do for me if you want to, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're ready. <laughs> you're not, gosh, already hey, done. Lord uh, Almighty. I, I start early. I hit yeah. it hard Thanksgiving. I hit it hard Thanksgiving week. Um, <laughs> we'll get some prattle in there. But you know, with two, I think that his family's going to sit down. I knew they were going to sit down and weigh, you know, weigh the odds and. 
you know, we hear that a lot. We're going to sit down and families discuss. And I think it's, you know, it's a load for most people. My, we can say we're going to my family can say we're going to sit down and talk to you when you get home about your grades. But it's me yelling at one and my wife feeding the other three is what the sitting down together is. So I think they were going to sit down, go over this. And I and I think they're going to do what's best for Tua. I think if he is and there's still so many question marks. Can he play? When can he play? How's he going to grade with the NFL? There's a lot of questions on the round table. Of are these guys going pro? Half of them don't even know their NFL grades yet. The right. season it just ended. Some guys, you know, I mean, if uh, Landon Dickerson gets a first round grade, he probably goes. If he gets a sixth round grade, maybe he doesn't come back. And I don't know what his grade's going to be. That's just a example. So with two, I think it's the same way. I don't think he's a ru- in a rush to leave college. I mean, you've seen guys, Travis, who love college football. Damian Damian Harris would still be there if he could. Right. You know, Nick Saban had to drive him to New England, drop him off. You know, he loved college. <laughs> he loved college. And I think Tua, I think he loves that University of Alabama. I think he loves being there. Um, so I don't Brothers think. Brothers there, that helps. Yeah, you, I don't think, think. Yeah, and his family is, you know, they again, they live in Alabaster. They're 45 minutes away uh, from seeing all, you know, all his, 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 his parents and his siblings. The bottom line for Tua is, as you just said, there's no rush at this point. Now the deadline comes January 20th. Um, but, but I'm sure, uh, they're going to do their due diligence. And, uh, as he sort of outlined in some of his comments on Tuesday, you know, he's looking at the potential for where he might go and where reality is going to dictate he goes in terms of slot and how that impacts his guaranteed money, uh, when it comes to that first round signing bonus. So, uh, Interesting stuff from Tua Tagovailoa. Now, as for you know the offense in general, uh, and some other guys, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs III, the two offensive tackles. You mentioned wild cards, right? I mean, there's a lot of times we go into this sort of stretch with the NFL decision making process, and we focus so much on the obvious guys that you'll get surprised every once in a while. And out of the blue, Alain and Dickerson gets feedback that, hey, you're late first round, maybe early second, because you can play tackle, because you can play guard, you can play center that you you showed for eight games this season. Um, I, I'm guessing, though, Tim, we're, we're both on the same thought process here that it, it, it's going to be a different looking offense regardless when it comes to personnel in 2020. Yeah, it does. And I think it's a chance, you know, you've looked at a really good 2018 class. You've looked at a really good, uh, potentially a 2019 class. I think we're looking at seeing some of these guys and there's some guys in this class. I haven't, I'm as excited about as any other player Alabama signed Drew Sanders and Demoy Kennedy and Quindarius Robinson, just athletic guys that can run, get to the football. Even a guy like Will Anderson, nobody's talking to Brian Branch, the safety from Georgia. These are just athletes. These are just yeah. pure bred athletes that are going to come out there and have a chance to play. They'll make mistakes, but they're going to do a lot of special things. And you see Alabama recruiting wise, they couldn't really get to the quarterback this year. And they've really did a good job of, of making that their focal point um, on offense. You're looking, you are, you're looking like a clean slate. There's going to, you know, there's, there's a lot of pressure being at Alabama. There's a lot of pressure. Like Alabama lost their second game and by three points, they lost, what two games by eight points and they're 12th in the country in the college football playoffs. That tells you how sick of Alabama, you know, uh, people <laughs> the probably fatigue were. is real. I mean, yeah. that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous considering the circumstances. They lost the number one team in the country 
they lost to a very good Auburn team in Auburn and a great football. I mean, I think it's just a you know, slap in the face to some degree. But um, I think when you look next year, I think a lot of the pressure is off. I don't think anybody's going to have Alabama number one. I don't see anybody having Alabama number two. You know, you're going to be looking at Ohio State and Clemson right out of the gate returning their quarterbacks. A lot of their team, you know, you're probably going to be looking at that leftover hangover from LSU, probably be top five. Georgia could be top five if, if Fromm comes back. So Alabama's going to have a little less pressure, and these guys are going to get to go out and play. And Nick Saban's sort of going to be able to wipe the board clean and start completely over. Um, so I'm excited to see. I mean, will it be Mac Jones at quarterback? Will it be Bryce Young, you know, the number one quarterback in the country who's enrolling early and competing? Will it be Talia? Yeah. You know, Talia's sort of become the forgotten man, which is sort of the norm for a redshirt freshman, even though he's not redshirt. And you sort of forget about you sort of forget about those guys. But I mean, he's you know he's a competitive kid. You know, I'd watch him after practice at Thompson High School football games, and this guy was out there. He'd stay out there all day throwing a football, and he's been competing with a monster older brother and you know how that is i think you were the oldest right i was in the middle but i was old well, enough to really pound the younger brother into submission many many days right uh, that's outside what I, you were competitive i'm still you know i'm still i was competitive with my brothers way way longer in life than i should be so he's you know and you got a guy like <laughs> tua you know you got a guy like tua who probably wants to win every dark game every daggone you know long three-point shootout so i think that kid's a competitor so i'm actually excited I think there's a lot of pressure off next year. I don't expect a top five team. I, you know, just hope they have a good closing, you know, close out this recruiting class. But we're going to get to see a lot of these young guys. There's just not going to be a lot of veterans left. You know, and going back to the NFL yeah. draft, we've seen we've seen some silliness lately. Now, early on Saban's career, those these guys relied on Saban, and he he led them, you know, down the right path for the most part. But I mean, Savion Smith went pro. There's nobody in this on God's green earth that told Savion Smith last year he was going to get drafted. So we've seen guys that just were mentally ready to go. So we're gonna we're gonna see. There's gonna be some guys on the bubble this year of go yeah. pro or stay, and we're gonna see you know see exactly what they're made. I mean, there's some no brainers like. You, you, you think sometimes though, Tim, guys like Savion Smith, they know who's coming back, you know, and and they may not be starters even the next year, and that goes into that decision. I mean, Savion Smith. Went pro. Trayvon Diggs is coming back. Patrick Sertan was coming back. Josh Job was starting to emerge, or at least we thought at the time. Shaheem Carter was coming back. Um, I think sometimes that probably goes into the the thought process for some of these guys. But um, you know, when you when you look at this team, you're right. There there are there are guys that are recruited as recently as even a year ago, Tim that we're all guilty of sort of forgetting about Trey Sanders. Look at Trey Sanders for, for one, for crying out loud. Think about Trey Sanders, a uh, healthy yeah. Trey Sanders in this offense next year, Tim. Yeah, that's a big deal, you know, especially, and that hurt them this year. They didn't really have, you know, they got stuck with two smaller running backs. And my, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of educating guessing that they were a little, little worried about Keelan and Jerome uh, quarterback protecting um, mm-hmm. pass pro skills. So I think they went in there. Brian just didn't have the year. You know, it was weird to me because during the start of the year, there were so many people saying Brian Robinson was going pro after this year. And I, I, I for the life of me, I never saw the film where they, yeah. they thought that was true. Um, but yeah, Trey would have been that big back. He would have been the guy to run, you know, to tote the man who's doing great in spring. Even Nick Saban is bragging about the guy, which is which pretty hard to come by. And the next day, the guy, you know, he's injured. So you get him to come in there. They got a couple of running backs coming in this year, Roydell Williams 
and Kyle Edwards. Nobody's really excited about Kyle Edwards. You know, every class, if you sign two running backs, there's always one forgotten, it seems like. But like Eddie Lacy was to Trent Richardson. But this guy, Kyle Edwards, he's sort of that between the tackle, one cut, plant my foot, and go forward, fall forward, which is something Alabama probably could have used. coffee-like. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a good comparison. I mean, Glenn had a great career. Nobody really realized it. The guy went, what, third round in the NFL and was like one of the rookies of the, you know, one of the all-rookie rookie team before he prematurely retired. So, yeah, he's that guy, not sexy as maybe a Roy Dell or Trey, but a guy that's going to move the chains. And Roy Dell, you know, he's a guy I'm pretty high on as well. Is there going to be a third back in this class, you think, Tim? Uh, they could probably get one if they wanted to. They're at that point now where they're, they're, they've got to make decisions. Do you take – they definitely want a tight end, of course. They're on the fence with a cornerback. They would like the right cornerback, if, you know, a corner if they could get it. They just haven't really found the guy yet. Um, I think it's just going to come down to the wire. The the Gibbs kid out of Georgia is a really popular kid that saw, saw his stock shoot through the roof. He likes Alabama a lot, so they can take their time there a little bit. Um, I think That's it's possible. Right? I would, I would, commitment. Uh, yeah, I would yes. think it's, I would think it's unlikely, but it could depend on whether they get guys like Philip Webb's out there. He's like mm-hmm. a, you know, an extra pass rusher in this class, which would really set the class off. If they get him, that's going to take a spot from somewhere else, and if they don't, it's going to open up a spot somewhere else. So it's going to be inter- it's going to be interesting. As we wrap up this 2020 recruiting cycle. Is it especially important maybe for a couple of assistants on this staff to to produce? Because we know how Nick Saban will go through this evaluation process with his coaching staff, both in terms of on the field production from their respective areas. But as we both know, recruiting is huge. And, um, you know, we've seen this staff turn over more than more than half of the staff each of the last two seasons has turned over or what are you sort of anticipating maybe from that standpoint, Tim, or is it, you just got to get through this early signing period first and then try to figure some of that out. Yeah. I wouldn't expect anything soon based on Alabama's history. Has there ever been a year without coaching turnover? I was trying to think, has there ever been, I mean, it just seems like people are on the move or, you know, people are on the go or every year. So I'm sure there'll be some kind of coaching change and we've seen some crazy ones. You know, like Dan Enos leaving in the middle of the night. And, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, we've seen like, you know, Coach Kulowski, which I can't, I can't even find him. I don't know where Coach Kulowski went. He's still on Twitter. Yeah. He, he's yeah. the only coach that I'm aware of. You know, Nick Saban doesn't fire a lot of guys. There's this no. myth, or there has been. He doesn't fire a lot of guys. I mean, if if he helps you find a job, so to speak. I mean, I see these guys end up at Michigan and, and Texas and all these places. He's not actually like kicking you out and you're not kicking you down to Troy. Yeah. You're not not trying to get government help. This guy's going, you know, you're going to another power five school. So he's not big, you know, he's not big on that. So, uh, I, I'm not sure, you know, Nick Saban's hard to read. I don't know who he blames for the defense. He could blame himself. He could play the, blame the defensive coordinator. He could play the injuries, the lack of talent. Me, I think it's all me. I think it's all the above. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't think when you look at the every unit on that defense, inside, outside linebackers, corners, safeties, defensive ends, defensive tackles, are they is that can you think of a group they're better than a year where the they this group <clears throat> this year, the linebackers, has there ever been a you know, a, a more no. inexperienced group? And that's what I'm saying, defensive end, defensive tackle, 
Safety, Xavier Dixon's fantastic. I thought he had a great year. Cornerback, Pat didn't have the year. You know, he had as a freshman, still a very promising kid. But, I mean, this was the weakest. I mean, there's no way around it. This was the weakest group of talent on defense that, that I think Nick Saban's had. Yeah, and I think it goes back to you heard from Nick Saban a month or so ago, and he he was very poignant in you know, the inexperience and how impactful it is, not just on game days, but in practice, not having those sort of example setters for these younger guys to look up to, how that impacts you Monday through Friday, let alone uh, what you see on the field on Saturdays. That was a month ago, though, so it'll be interesting to see from that point through the end of the season, is that still exclusively in his mind, basically the reasons for the struggles are, was there still not enough growth, enough development that took place? And uh, with that, maybe we see some shuffling there uh, more so maybe on the defensive side of the ball than on offense. It's uh, T Watts and TR on the built by Bama online podcast. We get with you once a week here. Uh, Tim, we kind of updated the state of the program there. Now we need to update the state of the holiday season. We talked last week. Are those Christmas trees really already up in your house? Is it, did that, did that come to fruition over the weekend? Like you forecasted? We have two trees fully up. We got one tree about 40% up (laughs) and they'll all be up by Friday. In fact, today, Thompson High School is playing in the state championship game, so the school's getting out at 1130, and I imagine the uh, the younger kids and my wife will be working on that. So, yeah, there, it's uh, the living room's done. The mantle's done. It was it was full throttle on Friday. So we got two of them up. They, she actually did add a sixth one. The kids want a marble. A sixth tree. A, a sixth a, Christmas tree, Tim. You know, it's pretty easy because they actually You got the Talladega it. National Forest over there or something? I They're mean, all they're all fake. I wouldn't do that to the oh, okay. environment. I'm an environment guy. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't buy those every year either. So she uh-huh. usually gets these sales and they, you know, they have different okay. ones. They're silver, they're white, they're green. Her babies are the candy lane one, which is the main one. And then the Mardi Gras one. I and then the kids, she likes the, she does an Alabama one with the bear Bryant hat on top and all that stuff. So, um, definitely going to be put, I don't have to do anything. As I said, I just have to yeah. pay for the ornaments and I'm out of it. <laughs> So we're good there. Um, so a couple other uh, Christmas holiday topics. Peppermint season. Where do you stand on peppermint season? We get the peppermint mochas. It's kind of like pumpkin spice around uh, October. You know, we get into peppermint season. You a peppermint guy, Tim? I'm not a huge fan, but they have like a, I guess it's a bark. Your wife or you would know more than oh, me. Oh, that white chocolate, that white chocolate yes, peppermint bark. That's yes, that's white chocolate. They have it at. I got to send you some of that. Yeah. Dude, don't you dare lie to me, Travis. I, will, <laughs> I, I know where you live. I got to send you the real deal. I'm going to send you the big uh, leagues. I'm well, we send got, you the Peterbrook. I grab yeah. it whenever. I didn't do it this year because I didn't have honey baked ham duty. But they have it sitting there in a plastic bag with a little ribbon around it. And I, dude, I'll get that. I got have, some coming. Don't I'll have the it. kids try it, and I will eat the whole bag. Yeah. Next day, they're like, "Where's that? You know, where's that peppermint?" I'm like, "Gone." But I love that. But peppermint overall, I don't, I don't really want it on my in my coffee. I don't really want it. You know, I don't really want it. I mean, I got better candy if I'm. Did gonna, did, did yeah. you do you guys put the candy canes on the tree, old school style, or did you grow up with that? I grew up with the candy canes on the tree, and I, you know, that was the one candy that you could pretty much put out when I was a kid. You didn't really have to worry about me eating it. I mean, last yeah. resort, I would go to town on them, 
but uh, you know, not as a primary option. Certainly. Well, the, the last time we had candy canes, they had the uh, Jolly Rancher candy canes. Oh wow! Heather made the mistake of putting those up, and I, I absolutely, yeah. I absolutely snuck a Destroyed few every them. night. Now, like you as a kid, I had the silver tinsel. I had the popcorn. I mean, my mom thought it was fun for us to thread that popcorn. I was like, why am I being punished at Christmas? You know, we had the popcorn up. We had the half the star that was bigger than the sun on it that wouldn't stay upright. We had the whole Christmas story tree. That was pretty close. The bulbs are out. Help me find out which one is out. You know, now they're so cheap of a bulb's out. You throw them away, you go get a new roll. <laughs> I don't know how we survived the whole star on top thing, the way we would, you know, get on ladders and shoulders and countertops and everything else to put that star on top every year. It's it's a miracle. I don't we, know how uh, the tree never yeah. caught on fire. <laughs> like Christmas vacation. We had tinsel and you ever have a tree just die on you? you yeah. Didn't have the proper I, I, water and everything. The needles just fall off the tree. Yeah. Yes. That was my fault one year because I was supposed to water it every X amount of days and she said water it. And I, I didn't know it was going to eat that water. I thought I was done. I just like get in there, pour a bunch of water in it. Apparently they do. Yeah. I looked up. The bottom was brown. Yeah. That's happened. That's happened before around here. What about uh, as we get out of here on T Watts and TR on the Built by Bama online podcast? Uh, one last topic to hit on. Best Christmas movie of all time not best christmas show okay because i'm a grinch guy when it comes to that uh, best christmas movie of all time tim watts you know i'm a i'm a staple guy i mean we have certain ones elf is a must watch sure. christmas story i love home alone christmas scrooge, vacation scrooge christmas vacation that's the five that are always i have two little guilty pleasures i don't know if many people have seen them there's one with called deck the halls have you seen that with danny devito Oh, gosh, I haven't seen that one. It's, dude, it's crazy. It's got Matthew Broderick in it, and they're rival neighbors. And mm-hmm. Danny DeVito is trying to have his house covered in Christmas lights so much you can see it from space. And he wow. lives right across the street from Matthew Broderick, who does uh-huh. not, who's a very straight-laced guy like you imagine. And Danny's the wild taxi guy. So they're told polar opposites. I, I mean, it's it's mindless fun. It's not... It's not going to win any uh, Oscars, but I love that. And I love Four Christmases with Vince Vaughn. It might have been the last time I think I found him funny. So that's my yeah. two little that's my two little guilty pleasures. Yeah, I, I like the Home Alone flicks. I think Petchy's great in those kind of underscored or undervalued those performances when you put them up against some of the stuff he's done. And most recently, The Irishman, Casino, yeah. uh, Goodfellas, obviously. Goodfellas. Wow, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk, let's, uh, let's wrap this with, uh, Die Hard and the ever ongoing debate about its status as a Christmas movie or nah, where do you have Die Hard? Is it in fact a Christmas movie, Tim? You know, it, it is. And I eight ten years ago when this debate started on the round table on BOL, I was like, I didn't really, they start, you know, debate started. I was like, hey, I don't know if it's a Christmas movie. And those guys were like, we had some guys adamant it was. And it turned into a heated debate. It was a good debate. Um, I went and watched it that Christmas. This is the first time I'd watched it in three or four years. And I got halfway through it and realized 
I'd forgot how much Christmas is in the movie. It was strict to me. I remember the actions. I remember, you know, yippee you know, yippee And I remember all the, the, the one hit lines that were so fantastic. I forgot it was so, so Christmas. Even the scene where he kills the guy and sends him down. What do you have? Ho, ho, ho written on a piece of paper on his chest. That guy's yeah. brother. Yeah. I mean, it is it is Christmas. And, you know, you forget about the the, uh, the 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 police officer in it, who was a great role as well. I mean, it's a it's a great movie. I always loved the movie. But, yeah, I'm full bore. It's a, it is a Christmas movie. Yeah. And it's Genesis. It starts with a Christmas party. Right. I mean, so uh, and my thing is, if a Christmas song is on the movie soundtrack, then that qualifies it as a uh, I mean, from that standpoint, Goodfellas, you could say. Yeah. In some ways, was a Christmas movie. I think that's know? fair. What I'm still on the fence about is Gremlins. Yeah. I don't. I mean, is the whole Christmas angle the Gremlins that the dad died coming down the chimney to give her a present or something? Is something that the like whole, that. Is that the whole I think Christmas? So. Surely that's not the whole Christmas. That wouldn't make a good Christmas movie. No. What about uh, a Christmas story? I mean, that's they they show that one on loop every year i mean yeah, that's a they, 24 hours straight that's you not know, in your top five tim oh yeah that was one of my top five okay. i'm a little embarrassed right. about christmas story because you know I, I didn't watch it till i mean we were married eight years or so i've only been seeing that movie for like the last 12 years or so and it's wow. one of my favorites and i just looked at it i just didn't think much about it you know you know i didn't have kids at the time i wasn't watching you know you know i didn't think i would like it um, but when I watched it, that's what we do. We'll turn it on, you know, TNT or whatever channel it on, and we'll just loop it. I love, love the dad. Absolutely. That's, that's everybody. That's everybody's dad, Tim. Well, here, here's the here's the thing. And Rajili. I, I tell this to me. Yes, absolutely. I, I when he cusses, the dad, the, yeah. the way the kid described, but the guy, you see a dad like that who's a realistic dad instead of sure. these dads you see in the school line who are like, listen, Tommy. You shouldn't get my lighter and set my pant leg on fire. That's not a good boy. Real dads are screaming about that. So I tell my kids, they love the dads like that. But when I scream at them, they're mad at me. How come yeah. they're not dying laughing when I'm lighting them up like Maury Goldberg on the show, The Goldbergs, if you've seen it? You know, yeah. these, these are real dads. Real dads get pissed. They do. <laughs> that's they that's do. what we, that's by the way, your oldest daughter, was she in Hawaii for Christmas or did she come home? We're actually going to meet up. Out west, you know, because I got I got one in Montana now, one in Hawaii, and then we're here. So we're going to right before Christmas, we're we're going to head out to Salt Lake City of all places. It's going to be a Mormon Christmas for the riders. We're going to head out to Salt Lake City, the Montana, the Montana. She gets to fly in. She can fly in. They play. They play at like Idaho State or something. Ah, yes. Christmas. Now is is she, Christmas a big deal in Hawaii? Has she discussed it at all? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. They love. You know, they've got. Uh, they they they've got their traditions, no doubt. It's it's big out there. But um, the good thing about her situation is their team comes to the mainland right before Christmas to play somebody. Like last year, they played. They played in Vegas, and then from there, you know, because their kids are all from the mainland on the team. They can disperse and go to wherever they want for the, for the four or five days for Christmas. And then they reconvene back in Hawaii. So it's a, it's a hell of a uh, journey there. Uh, I still uh, can't get over. You've got a kid in Montana. Yeah. The less smart one. 
And then you've got the really <laughs> smart one. And I know Evan. He's a he's an awesome kid. Sounds so much like his dad. And you've got an older one in Hawaii. And Evan's like yeah. tweeting. Like, we're at the game. It's kicking off. It's 31 <laughs> degrees with the sun going down. I'm like, Evan will die tonight. <laughs> if Evan runs out of gas, he's going to die. He's oh, Evan's, dude, it, you don't die, think you I die. haven't told him that. You, you got to make oh, sure you have a full tank of gas at all times and, out there and, this time of year. Three, three blankets in there, maybe a portable yeah, heat. Absolutely. You know, bucket because, of gas in case you need to start a fire. Yeah, I was thinking about the other day. I decided to check the weather app on both of them, you know, because one's in Montana and one's in, in Hawaii. Uh, the one in Montana, it was minus seven. And the one on Oahu, it was 81. So, uh, yeah, a little, little difference there. I mean, you cannot, yes, you got, I don't know, I don't know how Evan does it. And he's on a sideline. He's an eccentric kid, man. He is. He's down down for whatever. He's an original, you know, when I talked to him, he's an original thinker. I liked him. Loose like you laughing. Y'all got the same laugh. It's pretty funny. (laughs) So, hey, uh, what else we got? We good? What do you think? Yeah, I think we're good. You know, all the, the BOLers, I hope they're getting their Christmas shopping done. And if they need yeah. tips, PM me, and I'll tell them where to get some stuff. And um, I hope you get get on the ball with yours. I know, man. I, well, I'm I'm Christmas Eve guy. I'm notorious for that, dude. I'll I mean, go out and do it. I don't like the pressure. <clears throat> I do uh-huh. it because I want the majority to make sure it's there. You know, when we were kids, you know, I was telling Heather's like there was always a panic. I wasn't going to get that Stretch Armstrong guy. <laughs> you know, like you could you go to Walmart, that thing was gone. Or I guess it was Kmart back then, right? You go to Kmart, that's gone. Your mom's like, hey, you're out of luck. Maybe your birthday, you know, which was six. You know, for me, that was 10 days before Christmas. I had to wait 355 more days. So, you know, even when I was old enough to go help look for toys, there was that panic. So I just like to get the big stuff done. We'll still go hit stores and sales and all that stuff. The pressure. I mean, I know you've seen people at a store losing their mind. When the, well, you, when the kids you, were young, man, that tickled me Elmo. I don't know if you were. Oh gosh, yeah. Tickle no, me we, Elmo, dude. That was like a national, you know, issue. Well, uh, we, trying we to played, trying to get those. We did that. Our People generation were going black market on. Well, here, uh, well what? And there's a good, me Elmo. There's a good movie about that called Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger too. Him and Sinbad are battling like for some rare character. They both want to get their son. But our generation learned Christmas with those limited toys because everybody thought, hey, those kiss figures you got are worth $1,800 each. So now everybody rushes out. What about the Beanie Babies? We had people. Oh, yeah. Thinking, oh, my God. They had a Beanie man. Baby thing. It was worth $5,000. Kids back in the Cabbage, 80s. Yes. Cabin Patch, Tickle Me, Elmo. <laughs> those guys. They made them say anytime it said limited. Like, my mom still thinks if it's over 20 years old, it's an antique. I'm like, that's just old. That's just yeah. an old baseball bat. That's a not a, a relic. That's not, yeah, that's yeah. not an antique microwave. That's just an old microwave. Nobody wants that. So all these antique road shows and the, uh, the, uh, the what is the show Pickers. where they go? The club? Yes, all these shows you go in, everybody thinks they've got, I don't know. I used to collect baseball cards. And, dude, I'm telling you, everybody was like, Hey, got a Mickey Mantle. I was like, it was his 17th year of his career. It's worth nothing. <laughs> you know, and, you, and Mickey, Mickey signed about everything. So everybody's got something signed by Mickey Mantle also, you know, right. in terms of his autograph. So Mickey got, Mickey got around pretty good. I think our toys set the tone for they could be valuable. And then people capitalize. I mean, 
the beanie baby dollar man when I, I was a kid I, man i remember people divorcing i know you do too and the biggest thing they were doing was arguing about the beanie babies yeah they yeah. were in court choosing beanie but you get one heather you get one you get one <laughs> i mean you know give me the you know give me the jelly bean one i just feel like nah i'm Which, good Pretty much summed up why they were in divorce court to begin yeah, with. That, yeah, they just invested $125,000 in Beanie Babies. <laughs> That's right. Tickle me All up. All right, man. Well, yeah. I know what to, I know what to get you for Christmas. I'm gonna shoot you some. I'll get you some of that uh, white peppermint part. Oh, your wife. You need to plug. You need to. You need to plug your wife. Peterbrook, man. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Man. I'm I telling that you. stuff. That she nails it. Travis's wife kills Peter Brooks in Tuscaloosa. Um, we don't promote it enough. He sent me a gift basket. My kids ate it like a hyena <laughs> does a carcass. I mean, I barely – I grabbed some popcorn and had caramel, I think. They, like the dogs did the turkey in a Christmas story? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what a, that's great. Yeah, but they, yeah, her place, she, she does a great job there. I know she's probably busy this time of year too. Oh, man, it's crazy. But it's a good crazy, and she's good definitely, uh, definitely happy about it. Feels fortunate. So, anyway, that's going to do it. That's uh, T. Watts and T.R. for this week. As always, we really appreciate you joining us there at BamaOnline.com. A lot of great discussion on the roundtable there at BamaOnline.com. So much recruiting coverage coming your way right now with Tim and uh, Hank South doing a tremendous job. And we'll continue to keep you updated on Alabama's bowl scenarios uh, as well as pending NFL decisions. That's obviously going to be a big part of the new cycle coming up here. And you got Alabama men's basketball with a home game Friday night against Stephen F. Austin. Tim, the Stephen F. Austin that went into Cameron Indoor, by the way, and knocked off the mighty Duke Blue Devils. A couple weeks. I just uh, I ago. just have to call them the Lumberjacks. I love that nickname. Um, I'm glad teams have a nick. You know, it's like the uh, minor league baseball teams all have great names. You know, they have the be- minor league baseball teams have the best names the best hat, the best mascot. I was glad to hear somebody like a lumberjack, you know, something a little different than we're used to hearing. And you're right, a very good team went in. I watched that game. That wasn't a fluke. Those guys played them really well. Um, so Alabama, so, you know, that could be a big win for Alabama. Yeah, went on the road and beat Stephen F. Austin last year. be nice to get a home win Friday. Got a road game at Penn State coming up. Nate Oates, nothing easy about the non-con for the first year Alabama head coach moving yeah. forward here. All right, Tim, we're out of here. Appreciate it, my man. All right. Talk to you next week, brother. There he goes. Tim Watts. I'm Travis Ryer. Thanking you again for joining us here on T. Watts and TR on the Built by Bama online podcast. We'll be with you again real soon.